Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, coming to you live on the Only You Podcast, where I like to do books based on self-help, behavioral things that are going to enlighten someone, lift them up, help them understand the things that they're going through, because as people in the world today, we have forgotten how to, you know, reach out to people, we seclude ourselves, we isolate ourselves, we we build parameters in our minds sometimes that um, lead us to blame people, to look for other people to point the finger at, but in reality, no one can make us feel anything but ourselves, and we are in control of our feelings, and no one else is in control of them but us. And thank you for tuning in. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, and today I'm going to be going over a book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And James Allen was born November 28, 1864. He unfortunately passed on January 24, 1912, just a few months before my grandma was born, was a British philosopher, oh, excuse me, was a British philosophical writer known for his inspirational books and poetry as a pioneer of self-help movement, his best-known work, As a Man Thinketh, has been mass-produced since its publication in 1903, you guys. And I'm sharing this book today because James Allen is a huge leader um, in philosophy and self-help. And then he's part of the New Thought Movement. And I really, actually, I try to include a lot of James Allen stuff from this book and a lot of my podcasts. Because if you ever hear me talk about, you know, the cultivation of a garden in your mind... All that came from this book, and, um, you know, James Allen was actually born in Leicester, England, into a working-class family. Allen was the elder of two brothers, so he was the oldest of two brothers. His mother uh, could neither read nor write, you guys. I think that's pretty wild. I mean, obviously, at those times, we didn't really understand how important it was to read or write, but... You know, with the system set in place, we've now entered into the 20th century and everybody needs to learn how to read. Everybody needs to learn how to write. And you see now and you hear now that they're taking cursive out of schools. And when my kids see me writing cursive, they're like, what is that? They get so excited to see dad writing cursive. It's crazy. His father, William, was a factory knitter. He he knitted stuff, you know, like grandmas do. (laughs) In 1879, following a uh, downturn in the textile trade in uh, central England, Allen's father traveled alone to North America to find work and establish a new home for the family. And within two days of arriving, his father was pronounced dead at a New York City hospital. He was believed to, it was believed to be a case of robbery and then murder. And at age 15, with the family now facing economic disaster, Alan was actually forced to leave school and find work. And a lot of times we see in history, back in these times, a lot of folks had to do stuff like this. And could you imagine being a 15-year-old kid and losing a parent and how traumatic and, you know, the trauma that James Allen had to have felt during this time I'm sure. I, I can only imagine, you know, because he had to literally go back to the drawing board in his subconscious mind now that his father has passed away. And he's had to come up with a new plan to help his family succeed. Because back in those days, when a dad died, either a brother was to step up 
or the oldest son was to step up and be the man of the family then. And, you know, if there was two brothers and one of the brothers died, the oldest son became the man of the family on that side, you know. He made a lot of the decisions and he made a lot of the money and helped, you know, take care of the mother because she was now widowed, you know. For much of the uh, 1890s, Allen worked as a private secretary and stationer in several British manufacturing firms. In 1893, Allen moved to London and later to South Wales. He was uh, he earned his living by uh, being a journalist and a reporter. In South Wales, he met his wife, Lily, uh, Lily L. Allen, it was her name, or L Lily Louise Allen, whom he uh, wed in 1895. And in 1898, Allen found an occupation in which he could showcase his spiritual and social interests as a writer for the magazine, The Herald of the Golden Age. And uh, The Herald of uh, the Golden Age was founded by uh, Reverend ha uh, Henry John Williams, the younger brother of Howard Williams in 1882. I just thought I'd uh, touch base on that for a minute and share that with you. Um, for much, yeah, yeah. He had gotten married so, you know, and then he found social interest as a writer in a magazine. I think that's pretty awesome. Allen entered a creative period where he then published his first of many books, From Poverty to Power. That's another important read, you guys. And that was in 1901. And these books are still relevant right now. So just because I'm doing older book reviews doesn't mean that they are not relevant because a lot of writers now, they go back a 100 years read these guys' books that actually they knew a lot because there was no gadgets, no governments trying to control their minds or, you know, all the nasty substances that people are putting in their bodies. People were more theologians and more philosophical and more stoics back then. There was more stoics and stoicism. Now we don't see that, but we see psychologists now going to school, getting out of school, reading books from a hundred years ago, taking their ideas and piggybacking off of them and coming out with all kinds of different books on, you know, the brain, the, the amygdala, the, the frontal lobe cortex, the, you know, the, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, you know, how to, how we produce serotonin that makes us happy, you know, oxytocin. You know, nepinephrine, those are all brain chemicals to make you happy, sad, mad, and all those things. In 1903, Allen published his third and most famous book, As a Man Thinketh, and that's what we're talking about today. And it was loosely based on a biblical passage of Proverbs 23:7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The small work eventually became read around the world and uh, brought Allen... Uh, pretty much fame as one of the pioneering figures of modern inspirational thought and i mean he's in every major writing at this point um anytime somebody takes a psychological or a psychology cl class in college or high school they will talk about james allen and as a man thinketh um following his death in 1912 his wife continued publishing uh the magazine under the name of epoch Lily Allen summarized her husband's literary mission, literary mission, and the preface to one of his um, published manuscripts, Foundation Stones of Happiness and Success. 
she was uh, quoted as saying, he never wrote theories or for the sake of writing, but he wrote when he had a message and it became a message only he had lived it out in his own life and knew that it was good. Thus he wrote facts which had proven by practice. And that's important, you know, and he's re he's written so much stuff, you guys. Poverty to Power, The Realization of Prosperity and Peace, all these things added in 1903, As a Man Thinketh, uh, Through the Gate of Good, um, Byways of Blessedness, Out of the Heart, Poems of Peace, so many, so many writings in his life. Uh, I think uh, James Allen is a, a wonderful writer, and today we're doing As a Man Thinketh. This is the only you podcast. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, and thank you for tuning in, and I like to do my podcast live, and thank you for following me. Thank you for sharing me. Um, I did unpublish a lot of my um, recordings and books. I wanted to um, do things differently, and I'm trying to find a new um, way to deliver to you guys, and I'm, I'm still in the works of delivering more impactful information and more enlightened books and i just want you guys to be readers you know i mean everybody's so quick to grab a gadget and watch tv and watch these screens but in reality that's all mind control 68 percent of sales in a company come from people watching their ads on tv you know or a flat screen if you got a store and you got a flat screen outside of the store you're 68 percent more likely to make money as opposed to the guy next door that don't have a flat screen TV. Is that not crazy? Those are those are weird, wild things that nobody really ever thinks about, but statisticians have put the time in and the efforts and they come up with this stuff and you know it's out there for your information to use it to get you onto a level that you don't have to worry about where your next meal is gonna come from. You're not gonna worry where you're laying your head down at night. You're not gonna worry that you're not enough. You're gonna know you're enough. You're gonna have a place to lay your head and you're not gonna have any insecurities anymore once you figure this out and back to the book as a man thinketh by james allen effect of thought on circumstances a man's mind may be likened to a garden which may be in intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild but whether cultivated or neglected it must and will bring forth if no useful seeds are put into it then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind and i like to say right here right now remember i say this a lot in my podcast the seeds you plant soon will reap the harvest in which you have sown just as a garden Excuse me, just as a gardener cultivates his plot, keeping it free from weeds and growing the flowers and fruits which he requires, so many a man tend the garden of his mind, weeding out all the wrong, useless, and impure thoughts and cultivating towards perfection. The flowers and fruits of right, useful, and pure thoughts, by pursuing this process, a man sooner or later discovers that he is the master gardener of his soul, the director of his life. He also reveals within himself the laws of thought and understanding with ever-increasing accuracy how the thought processes 
and forces the mind elements to operate in shaping his character, circumstances, and destiny. Thought and character are one, and his character can only manifest and discover itself through environment and circumstances. The outer conditions of a person's life will also always be found to be harmoniously related to the inner state. This does not mean that a man's circumstances at any given time are an indication of his entire character, but that those circumstances are so intimately connected with some vital thought element within himself that for the time being they are indispensable to his development. Every man is where he is by the law of his being. The thoughts which he has built into his character have brought him there, and in the arrangement of his life there is no element of chance, but all is the result of a law which cannot err. This is just as true of those who feel out of harmony with their surroundings as those who are in contentment with them. As a progressive and involving being, man is where he is that he may learn that he may grow. And as he learns the spiritual lesson, which only circumstance contains for him, it passes away and gives place to another circumstance. Man is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a po creative power and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, he then becomes the rightful master of himself. And I want to say this, you guys. Environment plays a humongous role in everything you feel, think, and, how, and the things that make you act or act upon, that has to do with your environment. And if you stay in an environment, I mean, think about this. Look at a drug addict. He's homeless, he's on the streets, he's looking for his next fix. But in reality, you take that homeless man out of the streets of that street, take him to a completely different city, drop him off, he's soon not gonna have all those resources of drugs and all the people that he knew. He's gonna be forced to go back to the parameters of living and find a way to get out of that environment and that he was in in his mind because now he's been forced into a new environment he's literally going to become uh not addicted anymore overnight even though he may be looking for those drugs he's going to be forced to be clean up into um a certain time time period you know he's going to be clean he's going to be forced to be anyways back to as a man thinketh by james allen Man is buffeted by circumstances as long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a creative power and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, he then becomes the rightful master of himself. And many men, you guys, never get to that level. Many men fall through life and blame everybody and you know, just become horrible individuals because no one ever taught them, hey, you know, you got to venture out. You got to read books. You got to become better. It's up to you. Nobody is in control of your destiny but yourself. That circumstances grow out of thought every man knows who has, for any length of time, practiced self control and self purification, for he will have noticed that the alterations in his circumstances has been in exact ratio with his altered mental condition. So true is this, that when a man earnestly applies himself to remedy the defects in his character and makes swift and marked progress, he 
passes rapidly through a succession of vicissitudes. And vicissitudes are the ups and downs of life, um, good or bad. And that is true. And, and this is a Freudian um, mindset right here. Because I, I, I'm reading back up here, so true this that when a man earnestly applies himself to readily the defect in his character and makes swift and marked progress, he passes rapidly through a succession of vicissitudes. Yeah, and I believe that because Freud, Freud states that Everything that you feel right now can be related to some kind of past traumas that you've been through. And this guy's saying here, too, that, you know, circumstances in your past have, you know, altered your mental conditions of, to what they are right now. The soul attracts that which, is, which it secretly harbors. Sorry. The soul attracts that which it secretly harbors. That which it loves. And also that which it fears. It reaches the height of its cherished aspirations. It falls to the level of its unchastened desires. And circumstances are the means by which the soul receives its own. Every thought seed sown or allowed to fall into the mind and to take root there produces its own blossoming sooner or later into act and bearing its own fruitage of opportunity and circumstances. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. The outer world of circumstance shapes itself to the inner world of thought, and, and both pleasant and unpleasant external conditions are factors which make the ultimate good of the individual. As the reaper of his own harvest, man learns both by suffering and bliss. And I know this is true. It reminds me of um, the statisticians that were hired during Vietnam to, um, you know, write down every soldier that came back that was addicted to heroin. And they said that, like, in the first year, I think it was, like, 3 to 5% used. And by the third year, only 12% used. And then, by the fifth year, nobody used. So, they came to the conclusion in the U.S. government that these troops actually were a product of their, of their environment. They weren't waking up in a POW camp anymore. They weren't worried about what they were going to eat that night. They weren't rationing their food anymore. They didn't have all those worries that they had when they were in a POW camp. And I thought I'd share that with you because, it, it, I mean, it kind of ties into what it's talking about in this book right here. Um, following the in, innermost desires, aspirations, thoughts by which he allows himself to be dominated, pursuing the will, oh, the wisps of impure imaging or steadfast walking, the highway of strong and high endeavor. A man at last arrives of their fruitation and fulfillment and the outer condition of his life. The laws of growth and adjustment everywhere obtained. A man does not come to the house or the jail by the tyranny of fate or circumstance, but by the pathway of groveling thoughts and base desires. Nor does a pure-minded man fall suddenly into crime by stress of any mere external force. The criminal thought had long been secretly fostered in the heart, and the hour of opportunity revealed its gathered power. Circumstance does not make the man it reveals him to himself no such conditions can exist as descending into vice 
and its attendant sufferings apart from vicious inclinations or ascending into virtue and its pure happiness without the continued cultivation of virtuous aspirations and man. Therefore, as the Lord and master of thought is the maker of himself, the shaper of and the author of the environment, even at birth the soul comes into its own and through every step of its earthly pilgrimage it attracts those combinations of conditions which reveal itself, which are the reflections of its own purity and impurity, its strength and weakness. And you guys, we're doing As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, hopefully, hopefully everybody uh, will go out and find this book, read it, learn from it, um, grow from it. And there's many, many other things in this book that um, I'm not telling you here, but honestly, there are several, several things that he touches on in this book that are just like, wow, you know, thought and character. The forcium, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he, so is he, not only embraces the whole of a man's being, but is so comprehensive as to reach out to every condition and circumstance of his life a man is literally what he thinks his character being the complete sum of all his thoughts and i want to share this with you guys when arnold schwarzenegger was becoming mr olympian and in reality his father passed away his mother called him to tell him that his father had passed and when he came to the phone finally because he didn't want to she had called four times before he ever picked up her call and then finally, when she um, got through to him, he said, listen, I cannot be bothered with this right now. I am a champion. Do you have any idea what you're doing to me becoming a champion by inserting this negativity in the champion's routine? And he hung up. Is that, you know, people, most people be like, that's cold hearted. That's just wrong. Well, in reality, he was in a mindset that, even death, even his own father's death is, is unfortunate or, you know, is, I, I guess you would call it, um, just heartless. It, it seems heartless, but a champion has a mindset that, um, ah, it, it's what he thinks, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, if you ever hear him talk, he's like, you know, he talks when he was a young man, he was a champion. Look at Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali. When you hear Muhammad Ali talk when he was going up against Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier was the best. Muhammad Ali said, no, I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Oh, yeah, mean Joe Frazier. Put me up against Joe Frazier. I'll take him out. Oh, yeah. You remember how he was hooting and hollering. But in reality, he was manifesting because Muhammad Ali once said, the, ring, the fight does not happen inside of that square, what you call a ring. The fight has already taken place for months inside my mind. And there's nobody that's ever going to get in my way because I'm the greatest. And he meant that. But he manifested a champion. And that's what it takes to be what this book is saying. As a man thinketh, so he is. And that's the fact and true reality that we're living in today as men and women. As the plant springs from and could not be without the seed so every act of a man springs from the hidden seeds of thought and could not have appeared without them these applies equally to those acts called spontaneous and unpremeditated as to those which are deliberately executed
act is the blossom of thought, and joy and suffering are its fruits. Thus does a man garner and sweet and bitter fruitage of his own husbandry. Thought in the mind hath made us what we are. By thought was wrought and built. If a man's mind hath evil thoughts, pain comes on him as comes the wheel of the ox behind if one endure. In purity of thought, joy follows him as his own shadow sure. Man is a groweth by law and not a creation by artifice. And cause and effect is an absolute and undeviating in the hidden realm of thought as in the world of visible and material things. A noble and godlike character is not a thing of favor or chance, but is the natural result of continued effort and right thinking. The effect of long-cherished association with godlike thoughts, an ignoble and bestial character by the same process and the result of the continued harboring of groveling thoughts. And what, what that's saying there is, you know, I mean, I came up in the church and I was taught, you know, we need to be Christ-like. We need to focus on Christ. And I try to do that. When I, when I got to make a judgment call, you know, they used to carry those bracelets around on everybody's wrist back in the 90s and said, what would Jesus do? That was legit. Every person out there should be questioning himself, you know, what would my God do? How would, how would Jesus handle a situation like this, you know? He wouldn't be out there crying to every person he sees about all of his problems and whining. No, he goes into his heart and deals with it with his God and deals with it head on because he knows that that's the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the way it has to be, you know? Um, man is a growth by law and not a creation by artifice. And I wanted to read that again because I think that's important that man is a growth by law. So if you rule your life with the law of, uh, I am good, I am smart, I am kind. And you look in your, you look at yourself in the mirror today, like, I love you. You're a beautiful, you're a beautiful creature. And I know that sounds funny, but in reality, try it tomorrow. It may do something to you that your brain never thought of because, when you look in the mirror and smile at yourself and you be funny to yourself, you're changing your neuroplasticity. You're encouraging yourself to laugh and be happy and to let your guard down. That's an important part of the day is when you look in the mirror and joke with it yourself because only you know what you're really about. And once you get to know yourself, the better your life becomes and the easier life is. Man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapon by which he destroys himself. And that is so true. You know, I, I feel like us as human beings, we're sometimes some of our own worst enemies. And sometimes we get to a certain point of negativity that you gotta, you got to interject some kind of goodness, peace, love, kindness into your life, whether, you know, whether you want it or not, you need that. So you don't stay a slave to depression and, you know, chemicals and stuff he also fashions the tools with which he builds for himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength of peace you know either you can you know oh i'm never going to be good enough oh i'm never going to be i'm never going to be strong enough she's never going to like me oh, i'm never going to get that job oh they're never going to hire me you know 
Or you could be like, I'm going to get that job. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm the best interviewer there is. I can. I will. I must. And that's what I say to myself every morning when I get up in the mirror. And I mean that. I can. I will. I must. I'm the greatest. I'm the best. Yes, there are things, there are things out there that I have shortcomings in in my life. But do those things deter me from trying? Of course they do not because I am a champion. I will overcome. I can defeat any kind of depression, isolation, uh, social issues. I can defeat all those things because I know who I am. I love me. And as a man thinketh, so he is. By the right choice and true application of thought, man ascends to the divine perfection. By the abuse and wrong application of thought, he descends below the level of the beast. Between these two extremes are all the grades of character, and man is their maker and master. Of all the beauty, excuse me, of all the beautiful truths pertaining to the soul which have been restored and brought to light in this age, none is more gladdened or fruitful of the divine promise and confidence than this, that man is the master of thought, the molder of character, and the maker and shaper of condition, environment, and destiny. As a being of power, intelligence, and love, and the Lord of his own thoughts, man holds the key to every situation and contains within himself the transforming and regenerative agency by which he may make himself what he wills. Man is always the master, even in his weakest and most abandoned state. But in his weakest and degradation, he is the foolish master who misgoverns his household, when he begins to reflect upon his condition and to search diligently for the law upon which his being is established, he then becomes the wise master, directing his energies with intelligence and fashioning his thoughts to fruitful issues. Such is the conscious master, and man can only thus become, by discovering within himself, the laws of thought which discover as totally a master of application, self-analysis, and experience. And that's totally true, you guys. By discovering within yourself, you know, the laws of thought, which, you know, uh, totally a matter of application, self-analysis, and experience. Only by much searching and mining are gold and diamonds obtained. And man can find every truth connected with his being if he will dig deep into the mind of his soul and that he is the maker of his character, the molder of his life, and the builder of his destiny. He may earingly prove, if he will watch, control, and alter his thoughts, tracing their effects upon himself, upon others, and upon his life and circumstances, linking cause and effect by patient practice and investigation, and utilizing his every experience even to the most trivial everyday occurrence as a means of obtaining the knowledge of himself, which is understanding, wisdom, and power. In this direction, as in no other, is the law absolute, that he that seeketh findeth, and to he that knocketh it shall be opened. For only by patience, practice, and ceaseless in, in my, Excuse me, importanty can a man enter the door of the temple of knowledge. And thank you guys for listening. This is your boy Lo Jackson coming to you live with the Only You podcast. 
And this is my rendition, As a Man Thinketh, by James Allen. And um, I encourage you guys to rush out and buy this. And um, this book really does touch base on a lot of simple biblical and um, philosophical, psychological terms. Um, he uses a Freudian approach, which in reality, you know, I mean... I think a lot of us, we don't think, you know, about what we're becoming. We, I think a lot of people don't step back and self-analyze every once in a while to see that the decisions that you're making aren't right. You know, we like to blame. We like to, you know, have a reason why we are the way we are. So then we point fingers at people. But in reality, we put so much emphasis on people that... Um, it's 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 sad. It's too bad because nobody's at fault but you. And I mean that. And unfortunately, nobody wants to believe that, you know, it's oh, this happened to me when I was a little kid. Ah, oh, you know, my my wife left me and now I'm homeless, you know, or whatever it may be. Um in reality, things were being set into motion by your, you know, your attitudes, your behaviors, things in your relationship or your whatever the relationship is, whether it be husband and wife, a work a work uh, relationship, you know, um, the relationship between you and your preacher at church, whatever it may be, you know, um, you are making judgment calls based on the hierarchy of the glasses that all the experiences that you've had in your life have led you up into this point and some of those experiences have caused you to feel a certain type of way so when you feel this way you then start to cultivate certain attitudes behaviors and almost as though you have a different personality but in reality nobody was to blame for anything that went on but you because nobody can make you feel anything but you and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, if they wouldn't have done that, that I, I would have never done this. But in reality, had you thought about, you know, well, you know, they did what they did and that happened. That's life. You know, there's no other way around it. And there was no trauma there. In reality, you created the trauma by um, putting expectations on the situation or the person. And then things went south, so... Your expectations and your thoughts of what you thought was okay wasn't right. Because a lot of kids out there now are like, oh, my mom and dad did this, you know, or your my parents are to blame. I raised myself. Oh, really? But in reality, the kid has created these situations that um, they they had no idea that they were creating them. And then they wanted to blame the parent because they made bad, the kid made bad choices. Not the parent. Now, I shouldn't say they made bad choices. That's not what I meant. They, um, like a kid, like, they put emphasis on because you're my parent, you should make the best decisions for me. You should be there coddling me every second. You should give me everything. You should do everything for me because you're my parent. But in reality, that's not the way life works, and that's the way not the way it's ever going to work. And kids got to know that they start thinking things that, it's like a domino effect. 
you, a kid thinks one thing and they don't get their way, so then all of a sudden they're made to feel a way, so they set up parameters in their mind of negativity. And then all of a sudden, later in life, this goes on several times, but in reality, it wasn't the mother or the father that were, was at fault. The child had put, had put so much emphasis on the mother and father that they didn't even pay attention to their own basic needs. They literally had put so much thought on the mother and father's opinion that they overstepped their own opinion of their own life so that in turn was their boundaries. And now they have overstepped their own boundaries so now they're mad at their parents, they're upset, they're blaming them and everything within their life becomes a blame game of blaming mom and dad and not ever taking any full responsibility for their own actions. And thank you again for listening. This is the Only You Podcast, your boy Lo Jackson. Until next time.